Plague Doctors and Tablet Shakers. Locate your asbestos umbrella, make sure the taps are flowing properly, and remember, denial isn't just a river in Egypt, it's a river in Egypt whence an infinite number of frogs come to overwhelm your city. Because it's time to talk tall to me. <laughs> was one of the frogs. It was, it was a little bit Poseidon more than, uh, than G- capital G-O-D, but still. Right. Welcome back. I am Omen Thomas Sade. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are feckless moans. And this, my sweet little plague of locusts, is Talk Told to Me. A series of prog rock plagues descending on the unjust rulers of rock and roll in which New Kingdom Nick and Opening of the Mouth Omen will shake our magic rods to unleash each and every Tull song that mummified rock band Jethro Tull has ever sculpted out of marble and sandstone. We will worship false David Goodyear gods, sacrifice at the temple of Scott Hecate Hammond, and try to protect our desserts from the swarms of Florian Ophale flies. And if we have enough faith in the power of Prague, we will journey through the drum machine desert, following the crook and flail flautist, the sarcophagus Scotsman, the pyramid piper, the Moses who supposes his toes are roses, Ian Ankh Amulet Anderson. That kind of didn't make any sense, but it rhymed enough Does that it really tickled of, me. <laughs> any of this ever make any sense? That, I mean, that is absolutely valid. Yeah. Nick, I'm going to, in honor of our Egyptian-themed episode, I'm going to open a can of something that is, in some ways, an Egyptian invention or, or, or innovation. Beer. Let's play What Are You Drinking? We haven't done that in so long. Okay, let's do that. Nick, what are you drinking? I'm drinking... Wegman's Vintage Decaf Coffee. Out of your number two dad mug? My number two dad mug. Yeah, it's the saddest thing I've ever seen. Love it. And Omen, I heard a beer can open, but do you drink beer? I sure do, but I don't like alcohol. What I'm having is an athletic brewing company, Cerveza Atletica, non-alcoholic light copper beer, only 60 calories and containing less then 0.5% alcohol by volume. 60 calories in this economy? I know. Oh, and it's actually really delicious. And after, yeah. after a hard day of worshiping the dollar, it's nice to relax and not get wasted. Yeah, there you go. Might have to get a pack of those myself. Well, Omen, enough shenanigans and chicanery here. We are here. We are on the third song of The Zealot Gene. Before we jump in, I would like to cover just an idea of the zealot gene itself. I think I I mentioned on on the first episode that I personally consider this a concept album. Thematically, story-wise, it smacks of maybe Aqualung, you know, not completely a full story like Too Old to Rock and Roll, but kind of a a loose idea. Oh, yeah. So... Ian has gone on the record saying that he's not religious. 
Is he religious without the label? I mean, he's clearly occupied with religion in mm, a very mm. meaningful way, right? Like, it's clearly an important part of his his being, his character. Yeah. And all, all allusions, even the Christmas album, all of the Christmas concerts and the stuff that he has done for, like, the cathedrals and stuff, I feel like it's kind of culminated in, in this album. Yeah. It feels like. In response to that, Ian and I sat down and had a nice chat. Now, I, th I think I read this. I forgot where I read this, so I will not provide a source. But this is a quote from Ian. While I have a spot of genuine fondness for the pomp and fairy tale storytelling of the holy book, I still feel the need to question and draw sometimes unholy parallels from the text. The good, the bad, and the downright ugly rear their heads throughout, but are punctuated with elements of love, respect, and tenderness which glorify the New Testament especially. Some Christian fanatics will feel I have tweaked their tales. The secular and the unbelieving will think I am reborn as an irksome proselytizer of the faith, and some will, hopefully, just enjoy the music and not scrutinize too closely. <laughs> music and arts in general surely must have the right to question and examine all topics as long as done sensitively and with respect. Hmm. Whether in Shakespeare's day or in the knives-drawn world of social media, there has to be a place for commentary and interpretation. But it's all in the rendition. I am a professional fence-sitter, clad in interminable shades of gray, as the album title track suggests. But sitting on the fence is a safer place to be and enjoys a great view. And if you have to jump to one side or the other, it is with the benefit of due consideration. Wow. That is brilliant what a we've talked so many times about how ian i love that he says he's a professional fence sitter yeah we've talked so many times about his ability to shed light on a situation without revealing his own position on a situation right and and that's really summed up beautifully by that by that quote yeah it's how how elegant and beautifully put lovely and i think it really does cover all of the the sermonizations of is he really secretly what's the, all the religion i think it's i think it's perfect and it's what a great point that it is art's job to talk about things and and scrutinize them and you can take it inspiration and find good in a religious text without subscribing to without liking and subscribing to the <laughs> to that religion like and subscribe hit that smash that subscribe smash button, that for christianity. button to <laughs> christianity but i mean you know jesus himself was 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 totally punk rock you know he would have i think ian says this in the in the in the quote from the from silent singing you know the fear-mongering probably would not have sat well with jesus of nazareth yeah i think there's a lot about christianity that is un-christian right you know the way that christianity is practiced and so yeah, I think that we don't have to put a label on it, on him. Yeah. And we've, the world has, has found, if, if we've learned anything on this Tull journey, we've learned that, that Tull and Anderson, Jethro Tull and Ian Anderson are repellent to any kind of labeling. Yeah, and I think, I think he is one of the last great scrutinizers, I would say, you know? I mean, how many more are out there doing this thing like so really well and nitpicky it's hard to know yeah hard to know certainly none as big 
as Ian Anderson, I, I would say. Speaking of big, I think we should talk about the song about which we're talking this episode. And Nick, what is that song? It is Big Like a Mountain. It is track number three. Mine is The Mountain. For those of you following along in your holy books, the verse is Exodus 20, 4 through 7, and Exodus 30, 7. That it is. Let's have a listen. Nick! Omen said, almost very nearly six minutes. That was Mine is the Mountain. Wow. Let me ask you a question, Nick. The first time that you listened to this track, how would you describe the nature of the chills that you got? I think that's a, actually like a, a really good uh, description. Like it was, this was not one that was leaked ahead of time, you know, or not leaked, but shared ahead of time. You right. know, it's not one of the singles that came out. And we just gonna, just gonna brag our, our little friend of the pod, JDA gave us the tracks ahead of time. And when I listened to that, it was, I think it was pretty floored. I think I listened to it with good headphones. I just sat there and I, I kind of, it kind of swept over me because I cannot yeah. tell you, I can't compare that to any other tall song. I really can't. Yeah, and that's a common feature of tall songs is that they are each unique. <laughs> that's true. I, I remember the first time I listened to it and when that when his falsetto voice came in singing Mine is the Mountain, mm -hmm. I I had I don't even know how to describe it. Almost like an out-of-body experience where it was so disorienting to me that I like the skin crawled on the back of my neck and I was I, yeah. I didn't know what the sound I didn't know where the sound was coming from. I thought that I was being haunted, and then I realized that was Ian singing on the track. Oh my gosh. It's it's kind of a drop everything and just lose all focus except for that moment. Yeah. It pulls every fiber and iota of your attention. And particularly on, on those first like couple of listens, like, boy, is that powerful. It's really good. And, and that's appropriate to the content as well. I mean, that's that makes sense for... Yeah, for the experience, for the for the voice of the the speaker. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get into that a little bit more. I I have I have an idea about that particular voice of the speaker, but let's go let's go musically. Let's, let's do go musically. Yeah, Nick, the piano playing in this, not too shabby, I would say. Gorgissimo on the keys. Yeah, who's our keyboardist? That is. That is John O'Hara on keyboard. John Magic Fingers O'Hara. Yeah. Really, really beautiful and... Lovely. Let's remember that this was recorded remotely. So I imagine that that was him sitting in his at-home studio or wherever he had to record in his house playing what sounds like a very real piano or at least yeah. a very good piano setting on a, on a, on a keyboard. Yeah, he's, he's credited for piano, keyboards, accordion, and organ, so... Could be could be any one of the above. I think that it's the accordion on piano set. I, it was it was a Fisher Price My First Harmonica. Yeah. No, I think it was a real piano, and it and it's so gorgeous. It's it's mm -hmm. got a different personality than any pianist we've had before. Yeah, it's it ties in with the 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 idea of this song being completely and utterly different. The piano being so 
sweet and sweeping and still having that dark shadow kind of spreading beneath it, beneath the entirety of the song. Like it really, really creates the web backdrop for what we're feeling for this song. Absolutely. The piano is the alpha. It is the omega of the song. It, yeah, it's the key that drives us. It's a driving key. Yeah. I don't know how to drive. <laughs> the flute comes in almost immediately after the piano. Mm-hmm. Flute plays a number of different roles, which are really exciting. I, I love all the different flavors that we get. Fear all I have said. Don't imitate me. This is almost a, a narrative soundscape. There are moments where I was like, oh my gosh, this is the part where they're going through the Red Sea. Like... Yeah. It has a little bit of that kind of Peter and the Wolf quality to it. Yeah. I mean, if if we were to think about the Zealot Gene in terms of the other concept albums, concept albums, uh, capital C and lowercase c. Concept album with a K. With a K. <laughs> I could see the album in its entirety being a stage show. And this certainly has one of those those moments. So... What this song reminds me of in some ways and what the piano specifically makes me think of, it's not its not that there's enough of a similarity to say, you know, one is an echo of another, but yeah. the vibe of this song reminds me of a stage production, a little show you may have heard of called Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. One of Andrew Lloyd Webber's really first big commercial hits. He wrote it while he was still in college. And it's the story of Joseph. And the song... Close Every Door has a similar dark vibe to it. Close every door to me Hide all the world from me Bar all the windows And shut out the light So that's where Joseph has been imprisoned by his brothers i think and he's really it's it's a moment when he's really questioning his faith hmm. in god it's amazing it's so amazing to hear disparate pieces of a musical writer's work and be like that's andrew lloyd oh Weber. yeah <laughs> that yeah. is stephen sondheim you know yep. like that's that sound i've never heard that song before but boy, is that Andrew Lloyd Webber. Oh, yeah, dripping in Weberness. Yeah, I, I, have a, I have an anecdote about him. This is post the production of the Terrible Cats movie that came out a couple of years ago. Yes, yes. He's going on a plane or something. He's going somewhere and he's got his dog with him. And he does. it's not like certified as, a, as a, an emotional support animal. Okay. And they're like, sir, you can't bring this on. He's like, I'm Andrew Lloyd Webber. Did you see what they did to my play? And they let him on with the dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's really like, funny. Yes, Mr. Weber. I'm sorry. So sorry. Go. So sorry. Please go ahead. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. So yes, dark, very dark. At 30 seconds, we have that drop where the, the drums and the guitar and the bass come in. Tell me you love me, fear all I have said. And then, and then pull back. It's a little bit of a sforzando moment. They come in really hard, then they pull back. The drum continues throughout from there. Don't imitate me. Don't forsake me. Drums are great in this song altogether. Oh my goodness, They they really stick out. They're really nice. Especially the the hi-hat work later on. 
Yes, at about at about two minutes twenty four seconds in the breakdown when the breakdown starts. Yeah. Yeah, we have that building, those building steps, and the drumming is getting really, really intricate. And again, reminder, our drummer is Scott Hammond. Scott Hammond on the hitty sticks. On the hit sticks. And the flat skins. <laughs> yes. I still feel like the electric guitar is a little underpowered on this song. I'm very underwhelmed by the guitar in this. I don't hear guitar or bass in this song. And that's, you know, the bass, I feel, like is one of those instruments that it's okay if it's well, I mean, we're only here to observe, not to judge. Yeah, We're we no Stephen Peacocks. <laughs> but I feel like the piano is kind of playing the role of the bass, and the bass yeah. is in there somewhere kind of just filling it out. Yeah, I'm sure on, on amazing headphones you'd be able to hear it. But for me, the guitar, I, I feel like it's pulled so far back. Is it a mixing issue? Is it a playing issue? I, I just don't know. I mean, it could be utterly by design. I mean, the flute kind of takes the guitar role in this. Yes, yes. And I think it does ultimately, let's think about where this falls, where it falls on the album itself. We just heard Mrs. Tibbetts and Jacob's Tale, kind of quicker songs. Mine is the Mountain Slows Us Down, gets really mellow. And then the the Zealot Gene. Think about the start yes. of the Zealot Gene. Yeah. It's that guitar. It is. Yeah, exactly. So it's it is really effective, I think, in in not hearing the guitar at all in this particular song. And I don't think it's it's detrimental to the song at all. I think it's I think it's just it works just fine. I want to talk about the switch between the minor and the major. So we have the the don't imitate me, don't forsake me. Mm -hmm. Then when we hit bring all your pomp. It opens up, it goes major, the piano takes off in a very worshipful way. There's a little, there's some mm. of those chords remind me of some of that old turn of the century church music. Taking it to church, yeah. And it really, I wrote down darkness out of light. And I do think that there is a theme in the Old Testament and and in this song, and in Exodus in particular, where it's like, it is a dark freaking story. Well, yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is. But there are moments where you get the reminder of like, oh, right. The reason they're going through all this nonsense is because there is that promise of the land of milk and honey. There is yeah. that promise of like, hey, guess what? You don't have to be enslaved anymore. Right. Wow, we have this beautiful moment of worship. Okay, but we're Jews, so now back to suffering. Yeah. It's the reason why you do it, and it's, I mean, it's the the classic, like, you will get pushed to the breaking point. Because I love you. <laughs> and Satan is there just salivating and waiting. But if you can get past that, if you can stay strong, God is there, gates open, St. Peter is there with uh, a cold soda and shrimp puffs. Well, not for these guys. Not not, not, not shrimp puffs. They they can't have beer. Shellfish. But not St. Peter yet. We haven't gotten there. Oh, that's true. That's valid. Yeah. 
That's really funny. I was I was making a comment on St. Peter, and you were like, oh, yeah, the shrimp puffs. What was I thinking? <laughs> yeah, and we'll get into context about the Exodus uh, in the second half. And also the way that this, the, that that dark and light plays into the song and the lyrics, I think there's a, a good context there as well. At around th- 3 minutes, 30 seconds, we have these brilliant five-note, quick, like, 16th-note stabs. I love that. It's so fun. It's so... That feels like the chase. That feels like, you know, oh, it's yeah. time to get out of here. Yeah, right. There's a sense of urgency there. And near the end of that breakdown, it also, it does lighten up again. I think it, it does get more into the, um, more into the major scale. And it, it does, it does give you that hope right at the end of that. Anything else to say musically, Nick? Oh, let's see. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's downright scary. This is a, this is a legitimately scary song. Yeah. It's, it's, it works. It really, really works. And that, that breakdown is nice. I think it it stretches out a little bit too much, but it does what it's supposed to do. We still have dark and light and it does break up the, the rather slow plotting of, of Ian's delivery of the singing for it, which slow plotting is not that's not a complaint it's just the delivery and i think it's it works great that way but if we didn't break it up it'd be too much yeah one thing we forgot to talk about is ian's voice in this song again it feels like he's singing very close to the mic there's a big reverb effect on it which is gorgeous it kind of lends itself to that omnipresent omnipotent speaker there are a couple of moments where oh my gosh it is so beautiful when he sings don't imitate me, don't forsake me in images silver in idols of gold. Don't imitate me, don't forsake me in images silver in idols of gold. It's so rich, his voice. Drops down into like the nether octave. He opens up a portal to a different kind of music that is not, it's not supposed to be heard in this dimension. They're the chords of dis, I think they're called. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. I love that moment there. It just seems it's, there's so much understated power in that moment, which is, which is. Yeah, it's perfect. Oh, it's great. And then of course the falsetto is truly, truly one of the most terrifying sounds I have ever heard. It is used to perfect effect. Yeah. Here we are, halfway through, Omen. We, we're going to take a little break, a little breather. We're not going to cover too much Ooh. in here because we have so much to cover in the second half of the show, the second portion. Right. So I just want to cover three tiny little things. Cover them. Cover them up. There is a new shirt in the store. If you have not looked at instagram if you don't follow us on instagram which you should but don't get on instagram just for that i get don't go near instagram if you're not on instagram yet don't do it Mm -hmm. or facebook rather so there's a there's i think it was just yesterday on the 22nd of march i put up a new design on the web store on t public it is the feckless it is the the title feckless with the newt beneath it so cool it is the post that goes up for every Feckless episode, but it, I think it would look pretty good on a t-shirt and be 
quite cryptic un unless someone knows us and then you could kind of share a moment. I'm hoping to get to see like a feckless shirt in the wild. It'd be great. Someday. Like a wild newt. Uh, secondly, I have a really brief velvet mondegreen. Is it a bear? Is he shaking his hair? Is it velvet mondegreen? Amazing. Came up in Discord. Uh, this is from Chrissy, one of our newest uh, Discord joiner members here. She talks about the song Saboteur from... Was that under wraps? Under wraps. Wanna be no, be no, be no saboteur. That's exactly the point. When she listened to that when she was younger, she thought it was peanut saboteur. <laughs> <laughs> One of the best Velvet Mondegreens I've heard in, in a long time. I can hear it though. It, it totally makes sense. Peanut, peanut, peanut saboteur. <laughs> That's great. It's someone who gives peanuts to someone who has peanut allergies. You know what I heard on the radio this very morning? What did you hear about peanuts this very morning? If you, you can reduce the likelihood that your kid will get a peanut allergy by 70% by feeding them small amounts of peanut butter appropriately in regular food that they can digest. Not a whole peanut. Do not feed your newborns a whole peanut. They will choke. Wow. But if you're exposed to peanut material and, I, and ingest it at a young age, you know, within four to six months, I think, yeah. it reduces your chance of having a peanut allergy by 70%. Wow. Yeah. I, knew, I knew someone who, she had twins who, who both had a, like a really bad peanut allergy. They went in for like peanut exposure therapy and eventually they, they kicked it. They, they had like in a, in a safe, controlled environment with the doctor there. A peanut behind glass with a leash. A they, yeah, they, uh, they, they got eventually like had like tiny little bits and they kept yep. getting it more and more and it worked. It's yep. amazing what the human body can do. Apparently when my, when I was a, like a very young, almost newborn, my parents had taken me out canoeing because that's safe to do with a newborn. Of course. <laughs> For the SAIDs, of course. Yeah. And it was in the Adirondacks and my mom was breastfeeding me. And at the same time, she was having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And, you know, she had, she had read all the books. And it's like, you have to introduce ingredients, you know, solid food to your, to your child one by one so that you know if they have an allergy. And she was looking at a bird, because of course she was, and didn't realize that my little chubby hand reached up and grabbed the sandwich and was like, nom, 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 and started chewing on it. And she was like, that's a lot of ingredients at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, he's probably fine. <laughs> Guess who's not allergic to peanuts? But it did stunt your growth. <laughs> <laughs> your brother's very tall. I mean, let's, let's talk about it. <laughs> I had to live the rest of my, that year in the canoe. <laughs> Anyway, Nick, anything else? Raised by wild birds. One final thing. A couple of weeks ago, probably a couple of months ago at this point, I made a plea. I made a plea to reviewer GHGSSACG that they had given us a shining review, but a very dim rating. And one single star. They went in and changed it. Oh my gosh! Thank you so much. We now have five stars across the board in iTunes. Fives, fives, fives across the board. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you for, for hearing our plea. <laughs> Just being a 
wonderful human being. We could not love you more. Mwah, thank you. Genuinely, thank you. Like that, that does actually mean a lot. It's silly that five stars means a lot, but it does. It does. Thank you. Big kiss with tongue. With tongue. Only if you're up for it. Sign this consent form. That's all I have, Omen. Anything you want to throw in before we jump into context of Mine is the Mountain? Golly me, I just can't wait to get into this Old Testament tale. Nick, welcome back. Omen, here I am against my will to discuss this deep, dark song. Neither of us want to be here, but it's going to be good for us in the end. It's peanut therapy, yeah. Do you happen to have the specific Exodus verses pulled up? I have some broader Exodus context pulled up. I do. So we are talking, again, Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 through 7, and then chapter 30, number 7. So here we go. Yeah. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Mm -hmm. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And then uh, verse 7 is, Aaron must burn fragrant incense on the altar every morning when he tends the lamps. Very strange to just toss that one in there. Aaron. Aaron, did you burn your incense this morning? Ah, I knew I forgot something while I was tending the lamps. One of my favorite bluegrass songs is called... I don't know what it's called. Tend those lamps, Aaron. It's something about the lyrics go, Keep your lamp trimmed and a burning. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. Keep your lamp trimmed in a burning. Oh, yeah. Love it. Uh, that was, that was way, hey, up she rises. What is that? <laughs> Drunken sailor. Uh, yes. Right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk Exodus. The book itself. Let's talk. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, because obviously I feel like it's one of the stories of the Bible that is easily remembered. You've got classic ingredients. You've got the villain who's the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh has enslaved the, we we talked about the, you know, the people of Israel, the Israelites, that name comes from Jacob because he wrestled, he wrestled with the angel. Grab him by the heel, Jacob. Grab him by the heel, Jacob. But, but the name Israelites comes from Israel, comes from wrestling with the, the angel. Okay. So you have this, this group, this tribe, if you will, and they get enslaved by the Pharaoh, probably, I think for a long time. And then... Generations, right? Right. And then God, specifically Yahweh, makes a covenant. The covenant is, yo, what up, Moses? I'll make your promise. If you worship me and only me and only me forever, I will free you from slavery. I will lead you into abundance. I will protect you. You are my chosen people. We Gucci forever. As far as gods go, like, that's a pretty good deal. You know, and the big important point here, yes, it is a very good deal. And the big shift that is really interesting about this is that really what we're talking about is the shift from polytheism to monotheism. Yeah. If you look at the plagues of Egypt, 
Moses goes to the Pharaoh and he's like, uh, Pharaoh, you should let my people go. Let my people go. Right. And Pharaoh's like, are you high? Why would I do that? You're my slaves. So, no. Your imaginary god, you, you have one god, I have 300 as an Egyptian. Like, exactly. He's going to do something. Exactly. And, and that's exactly the argument. Moses says, my god will protect me. And Pharaoh says exactly that. Well, I have so many gods. What could you possibly, you know, what's the, what gives? Yeah. The 10 plagues are specifically directed against 10 of the Egyptian gods. Hmm. Each plague is a diss track dropped against one of the gods featuring snoop dog featuring snoop dog yeah he's, yep. he's been around since then <laughs> i believe it three days in complete darkness is in direct opposition to the god ra the god of the sun and so the the magicians or the the priests of the pharaoh keep trying to counteract it you know you have the priest of ra you have the priest of hathor you have the priest of isis and all of them are powerless against the power of this one seemingly insignificant but new kid on the block god yeah so that's the context in which we have this voice saying mine is the power and mine is the glory not shared between a pantheon me and only me right yeah and uh, historically um if you look at the the history of religion in that area yahweh was one of a number of gods of those hebrew tribes but at this time rose to prominence yeah and that's where we get the story that, I mean, that smacks of finding a single god in other religions like paganism and saying, oh, but our god is like this god and you can worship our god now. Hmm. And if you don't worship our god, we'll, we'll kill you. Yeah. But I mean, come on. You know, like without the religion aspect, like this would make a really cool story. I mean, it is a really cool story. <laughs> Someone right? should write this. Like what a, what a cool, like historical fantasy novel well and that's what is engaging about it that's why they teach yeah. it in sunday school that you know come for the narrative stay for the systematic oppression but they didn't they didn't talk about how cool these stories were when i was in sunday school no they should have more theater trained people in the church yes i think so i was just I was in this St. Joe's church in the middle of Weedsport. Like, there's, there's not much going on. It's a bunch of old people. I've always said Christianity could do with more flamboyancy. Yeah, red robes and miters. Oh, and, well, and Swinging incense on balls. Yeah. Hello. So, Let us pray. So a lot of, the, a lot of what we have here is, is in direct relation to the Ten Commandments. Uh, don't imitate me. No false idols. Yep. Now... At various points, that has been interpreted differently in yeah. this Judeo-Christian tradition starts here and then branches out into Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. And so in Islam, they interpret that to mean literally you don't have any picture of anything. No, 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 no. You can do shapes and that's it. Yeah, but not too suggestive of a shape. And they don't even like like writing sometimes. Yeah, there's some very strict rules depending on how it's interpreted. Yeah, and I mean there are some branches of, of Christianity that that don't don't like graven images, I images of saints, graven images, things like that. Yeah, there's another one. Don't misuse my name. Yep, that was one of the ones in the in the quote that you read. Yeah, thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. 
but also misuse it. So in, in Judaism, mm-hmm. in some sects of Judaism, there's the policy, the policy, there's the tradition that you can't even write the name. Like you, if you write, oh, yeah. you wouldn't write G-O-D, you'd write G-D. Wow. And there's a number of different names for God. And so mm-hmm. I remember a story about a, a, an Orthodox kid who his name was one of the 700 names of God. And so he wasn't allowed to put his name on his lunch pail. And so he would turn in his homework and the teacher would rip it up and throw it away and put it in the special box where you have to put, you know, uh, sacrilege items. Wow. This is wow. really interesting, you know, the ways that these are interpreted. Yeah, it's, it's a little bananas. So, yeah, we have the commandments. Don't make me jealous. Don't make me angry. Don't make me jealous. Don't make me angry. So he's he's threatening here. He's he's Old Testament capital O capital T God here. He is threatening. I would say he's setting boundaries. Yeah, it's like it's an abusive relationship. It's like, "Oh, but I'll save you. I'll pull you to the promised land. Don't you use my name in vain. Get my name out of your mouth." Slap. You know what? At least he's being clear. I mean, it, he is laying out rules. It's true. It's absolutely true. And and for for what he delivers and the power that he grants, you know, I mean, you, you follow got to follow a couple of rules. It's not that bad, right? But you're right. There is the very there's very much the carrot and the stick. There's the yeah. here are the rules, and if you don't follow them, there's consequences. Yeah, it's a little Stockholm syndrome, isn't it? I mean. <laughs> Maybe just like we have, we have those dark moments, the minor moments where he is threatening. And then when you said he gets into those, those kind of major chords, bring all your pomp, precious jewels in your finery, build me safe haven for tablets of stone, Mm -hmm. the 10 commandments. Bring all your pomp, precious jewels and your finery, build me safe haven for tablets of stone. So he's like, I'm going to do bad things to you. Don't you dare make me. Unless you're good. But here, let's celebrate with gold right, exactly. and, and jewels. And this is what we get. And this is your priests can have pretty rings and things. And that's okay. But then at the end of that very same verse. So build me safe haven for tablets of stone to live through the ages to scold and to guide you, uh-huh. threaten, cajole you, and cut to the bone. To live through the ages to scold and to guide you, threaten, cajole you, and cut to the bone. So it's it's it goes right back to the thesis of I am an unloving God. I am. I'm an unforgiving God. Unforgiving. I think that's it. Yeah. It's, it's, and it, that's the quote that, that you read. It's like, if you make a mistake, I will not only curse and destroy you, but also all of your children for every generation. But if you're good to me, I will be good to you for a thousand generations. Yeah. The cursing your children, we have that line in here. We have the, the second time he gets into the light sound, Maddie and Lucas may bring something softer the books of Matthew and Lucas, lighter fare than Exodus, obviously. Yeah. For etymological sake, the word Exodus means to leave a place. Oh, yeah. In case nobody knows. So, Maddie and Lucas, gentle in word and gentle in deed, but you who ignore these things that are written will define the story your children will read. Maddie and Lucas may bring something softer, gentle in word and gentle in deed, 
But you who ignore these things that are written Will define the story your children will read I will make an example of you Yeah Well, and that's and and look what in this story he does to the Egyptians. What's that smudge over there? Oh, that was John. He he took the Lord's name in vain, and God's thumb just came down and went (laughs) wiped him across the landscape. I mean, just looking at the plagues, he he kills off every one of the firstborn children in the country. Yeah, to make a point. Yeah, of the Egyptians. Yeah. But they're not his followers, so right. it doesn't so, matter. Exactly. And that, you know, going back to the idea of it's Yahweh versus the Egyptian gods. No, in this corner, the Pharaoh is the last of the gods. Because, in the, you know, in mm. that society, the Pharaoh is considered to be an earthly embodiment. The god king. Yes, exactly. And, and one of the features of that role is he represents the everlasting life, the eternal, the eternalness, you know. Mm. And so Yahweh killing off the firstborn is is a direct opposition to that. Yeah. And the line in the song, that this is the scariest line to me. I can make a cadaver of your women, Ooh. your firstborn. A cadaver. When's the last time you heard the word cadaver? Uh, with a snap of a finger. NCIS. Of salt. Yeah, of course. Of salt and a flame, which ties back to Mrs. Tibbetts, Lot's yep. wife. Yep. Yeah. I can make a cadaver of your women, your firstborn, with a snap of a finger of salt and of flame. So he has this power and he can do it. Don't make him do it. I want to talk a little bit about Build Me Safe Haven. Mm, yeah. So there's the very specific and really interesting story of the tabernacle. Yeah. So after the tablets, God says, you know what? I don't want those getting broken. And also, I need a physical location where I will dwell. He gives Moses a set of plans. And they're very specific. They're laid out in the Bible, you know, with the measurement of how many cubits across it should be and all that. And they build it. And so, it is a portable, earthly dwelling place of Yahweh. And they move it around with them. In some cases, I believe it, it takes the form of a tent. And I think the Ark of the Covenant mm. goes into it. I was going to say, is that the Ark of the Covenant? Let's see. Let's ask Indiana Jones. It's the Ark of the Testament or the Ark of God. It's an alleged artifact believed to be the most sacred relic of the Israelites, which is described as a wooden chest covered in pure gold with an elaborately designed lid called the Mercy Seat. Mm-hmm. Mm, I pay a lot for that. According to the books, <laughs> book of Exodus, the Ark contained the two stone tablets of the Ten Commandments. Right. According to the New Testament book of Hebrews, it also contained Aaron's rod and a pot of manna. Yum. Delicious. And eventually, 440 years later, that's a sacred number, they built Solomon's temple in Jerusalem and that they upgraded his his earthly seat. Nice. But that, you know, build me build me safe haven isn't like, yeah, in general, like keep me in your hearts. It's no, I here are the dimensions. Go and get some wood and build it right now, and that is where I live. You will carry me with you. Yeah. And nobody else. Four tablets of stone specifically. So so they are intrinsically combined yes. there. That is that is almost his physical his most physical presence on earth. It's like a horcrux. Yeah, a little bit. I, he 
he it's this phylactery if we break all of them do you have a do you have uh dementors out there the, the, the light the sky just went dark <laughs> so we found present day analogies for mrs tibbetts and jacob's tale where does this fall do you have any thoughts Mm-hmm. i'm not gonna tell them to you no, my thought is that in politics in the recent decades, there has been a strain of authoritarianism. It sure has. In which politicians say, if you're with me, I'll do all these good things for you. Mm-hmm. And if you're against me, I'll do everything in my power to destroy you. Yeah. Present day America. Present day america but not just america you know you have fascism and authoritarianism rearing its head in all kinds of places in the world this perfectly fits for north korea yes it does this is the the kim dynasty here yeah don't make me jealous don't make me angry yeah i'm a perfect god if you don't worship me i will i will destroy you yeah it's a little bit China, a little bit Russia, but not quite as worshipy there. But in the even in, in people's language, there is that sense of, you know, the bad guy's out there and I'm going to protect you from it. Oh, sure. Oh, we're so oppressed by fill in the blank. It used to be the Israelites. Now it's the, the, the woke mob and the gays. We're so oppressed by the gays. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone is not oppressing people, it's the gays. I'm trying. I'm trying to oppress people, Nick. <laughs> But I, but I need a nap. It just doesn't work. Ah! Flamboyance and oppression do not mix. So I think that's the modern connection here. Yeah, absolutely. Why do we say mine is the mountain? Why is that the title? Mine is the mountain. Oh, because of, because of Mount Sinai. That's where, where Moses got the tablets. That's where he got the invite. Yeah. The tablet. He took two tablets and called them in the morning. Insert rim shot here. Yeah, mine is the mountain up which you tread. Oh, yeah, he says it right there. Of course, mine is the power and mine is the glory. Just an overall, like, I am powerful. I am omnipotent. Mine is the mountain up which you tread. Mine is the power and mine is the glory. Mine is the mountain up which you tread. Give me bold questions. Give me good reason. Tell me you love me. Fear all I have said. Give me bold question. Give me good reason. Tell me you love me. Fear all I have said. That is Old Testament. Put that on your business card. Put that on your resume, Old Testament. That's perfect. It's great. Yeah. Fear me. Love me. Don't make me jealous. Don't make me angry. Don't ever leave me out in the cold. Don't make me jealous. Don't make me angry. Don't ever leave me out in the cold. Is that just another uh, another reference of don't leave me behind, basically? Yeah, I think so. It, it is interesting, you know, if you, if you look at this from a sci-fi or fantasy point of view, this idea that it feels like this god is gaining power you know did start off as as a minor as a minor deity and then had this opportunity because of the covenant with moses to gain even if yahweh had wanted to would he have been able to perform those plagues 
before the covenant, or did the covenant from the leader of this tribe, Moses, give Yahweh the power to do those things? There are countless stories out there. It's a trope, yeah. Where as the last worshiper of a god dies, the god is is gone. Neil Gaiman. The god is forgot. Yeah, American gods, right. If people stop yeah. believing in Neil Gaiman, he disappears. He does. Everybody, close your eyes, clap your hands. It's Neil Gaiman. Yeah, it's very common, very regularly used. And it's a great trope. I think it's a great, it makes for a really great story. And it probably predates this, but it also, but probably also a lot of the reason that we have those stories is because of this particular story. But then sure. even further along, you know, we go into the desert and Yahweh says, come up to this mountain so that I can, like, you literally have to come closer to me so that I can manifest myself into some stones to become even more powerful. You want, you want to meet me halfway, God? I mean, I just filled up my gas tank. My, my feet are a little tired. Are you short? No. Come to the top. All right, God. A fine. little bit further. <laughs> you can reach me, God. No, I can almost smell you. <laughs> I just put some muffins in. I don't <laughs> want them to burn. I can't leave the iron on. <laughs> my right. laundry will get mildewy. <laughs> okay. Anything else for this I did not anticipate us having this much of a talk. Honestly, I was I was listening to it and taking notes a couple of a couple of times before this this episode, and I was like, okay, we'll get a little bit out of it. But yeah, we got we got much more out of it. It's great. Just a fun little note about "Don't Take My Name in Vain." That is specifically where we get the amazing linguistic tradition of blasphemy, minced oaths, even better. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Core blimey. Yeah. Gosh darn it. Yeah, 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 all that stuff. Yeah. You know, I think in Catholic countries, the art of blasphemy is a little bit more highly developed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, delightful stuff. Yeah. You can tell a geographic location by how they mince their oaths, by how, how their blasphemy is diffused. It's really, really fascinating. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. By the four balls of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, I think we're done. Should be five balls. That doesn't, doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Who? Where's the? Where's that fifth ball? Who has it? Don't know. And how dare you question? That's blasphemous, right there. Okay, Omen, that was track number three. I need a nap and a warm blanket after that. Do you know what's coming up? We already mentioned it, but what's coming up next on the docket for next week? I do know what's coming up, but I won't tell you. (laughs) Can I tell you then? Yes, please do. (laughs) It is the Zealot Gene. It's our titular track. Track four. Title track. That it is. Until next week. Yours can be the power and the glory. The power and glory of delivering the text that is talk-told to me to your fellow podcast listeners. You can write that text in the form of a review and drop five stars in the glistening sky that is Apple Podcasts and lead your people to salvation. I think I just converted. That was beautiful. (laughs) 
Maddie and Lucas might bring something softer, but you can bring something softer still. For instance, a soft hoodie or t-shirt, embranded, blazoned with the graven image of our podcast for you to show to all the heathens that you encounter in the world. I've got a place where you can ask bold questions, and I will give you good reason to go there. You can join our Patreon for $5 a month and get access to our Discord server where everybody asks bold questions and it is a great place to talk. You get access to two additional podcasts. It is Feckless and Outtake Tall to Me, my personal favorite. And if you really love us and need more moms in your life, you can kick in $15 a month. Get all of that from the Tall Skull level. At Tall Skull Plus, you also get videos of this very podcast. Yeah. Our literal faces. Both of them. On screen. For yeah. an hour. That's more than my wife sees me. <laughs> I Yikes. Until next week, I will neither threaten nor cajole you. I may cut you to the bone, though. I am Nick McGill. I am building a tabernacle in your heart, Omen Thomas said. We are no pushover lamb. We are the feckless momes. And with a snap of the fingers, this is Talk Tall to Me. Oh, let's see. Okay, I think this is the address. Uh, 111 Nile View Lane. Oh my God, it's so pretty. Jonah. Jonah, oh. hi. Oh, hello. Hello, um, Mr. Zephyrfreni. Yes, that's that's me. Thank you for making it. I'm glad uh, I'm glad we could fit this uh, this viewing in. We've got we got a lot of people asking to see this this property. I'm so so I'm, excited I'm glad we could get yeah. you in here. Okay, so uh, so here it is. We open up into the foyer. Wow, what here a beautiful water feature. Wow. It is uh, yeah, it's j we just put it in there. It is it is red right that's now. So cool. The water is is can, red. can I? Can we turn it on? Uh, sh sure. Yeah, I think it's this button right. This button right here. Right? Yeah, let's try that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really atmospheric, and you're not going to find this in just any hovel, you know. Honestly, if I'm honest, I don't. I'm not trying to show my cards, but I love it. I love it. There's, okay, there's something Good. really. It's just visceral. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. it smells like pennies in here. That's what I would say. And you know, the the ASMR thing is getting really big. Oh, it's right. nice. It really it makes you makes you tingle on the back of the neck, right? You know what? Everybody has a water fountain. Everybody has a water fountain. Who has a blood fountain? Exactly. Nobody. Exactly. People will be jealous. I assure you of that. Oh, and there are some frogs. Uh, yeah. So it does come with frogs. Wow. The kitchen is really full of frogs. Yeah. Really yeah, full. Yeah. Hope you like frog legs. I mean, you you have to have a lot of frogs to make a meal of frog legs. Yeah. So, and they're, you know what? That's, they're not charging more for the frogs. They come with it. Yeah. I can see that the, uh, the refrigerator is one of the newer models. Let me just open this mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. Full of frogs, I see. Yes. Yeah. It is a lot of frogs. It is a lot. It is. It, it is. is. It is. I, I would recommend maybe getting a chest freezer to, to like hold some of them. You don't have to prepare them all at once. Now, do you have, I, I know that, I, I know that it's been hard to find good exterminators lately. I've been calling yeah. around uh, for my rental property and it just seems like they're all busy. Uh, do, you, do you know anybody? 
They're very, very busy. Um, I, you know, I know a couple of people. I can get you some names and some numbers. You may need to consider them. Um, I can get you a referral because I have noticed lice, oh, uh, flies, yeah, and locusts. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Have you tried diatomaceous earth? No, I think that's a good idea. Thank you for that tip. Yeah, I'm gonna. You know what? I, I just, I just think that the, I just think that the columns. And the shape of this place is so great. You know, who doesn't love a four-sided structure? Right, right. It's worth it. It's worth it for these quirky things yeah. here. It's got character. Yeah. You know, that's what we call it. Yeah, and a little neem oil. That'll, I, I, you know, I, I can really see this. It's a, it's a fixer-upper. It's a great first home. How, how's the fire resistance on the roof? Well, as you can see, there is a hole right there. Yeah, I can see that it is... The hole is on fire. It's burning. It's, it's burning, burning right. right now. So, so I think I think what we're going to do is we're mm -hmm. going to turn that into a skylight. We're going to make lemonade out of these yeah. lemons. It's right? a feature. It's a feature. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, you know, I love how positive you are. Thank you. And I think, honestly, if you would like to put in a, an an offer, yeah, I could I could take it back to him right now. You know what? You know what's so exciting about this? My younger brother has been looking for a home. My younger mm -hmm. sister has been looking for a home. Okay. My other younger brother has been looking for a home. They've all been struggling. You're the eldest, then. I am the eldest. And as the eldest, as the firstborn of this family, I just mm -hmm, really mm -hmm. want to get some real estate going. <clears throat> oh. <sighs> I thought, I really thought I had him. If it, if, if he could have waited just, just five more minutes, I could have signed the papers. Uh, yeah. Hello. Uh, hey, hey there. Uh, hey there, Jimmy. Any, any luck with that sale? We're really trying to shift this property. You know, the real estate market's going down in this area. I, I know I had him, I had him and then he just died. He died. Oh, another right firstborn. Oh my God. Another firstborn. So tragic. Yeah. Did you try telling him to talk tall to me as a proud member of the Feckless Moms Audio Network? You know, I didn't. I thought I had the cell without it, but I should consider that next time. <laughs> And my cow just died. <laughs> <laughs>